challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country with a pedal to the metal with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, hello to all the way around the world. I'm proud to say last week, uh, Prague, Czechoslovakia listened to us. And that was kind of cool because that's my favorite city in the whole wide world, Prague, Czechoslovakia, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. If you ever get a chance to go to the Czech Republic, it used to be Yugoslavia, you need or Czechoslovakia, you need to go there because it's beautiful and it's old. And some of the buildings are hundreds of years old. It's just an absolutely amazing place. Genius people there, great artisans. You get to see the coolest stuff being made and uh, just really, really awesome. And another thing, we have people from Poland now listening to us. So hello, Poland. Uh, I had one of the most amazing experiences in my life touring the, my original uh, PhD was going to be, have to do with the Holocaust, why it happened, uh, and how we can prevent it from happening uh, again. But I switched sort of midstream. But part of that was to go and tour the concentration camps there. Uh, and that was one of the most emotionally, personally devastating experiences of my lifetime. Um, you know, the standing at the gate and seeing where the train come, comes through, and then there's a platform on either side, and there's a man standing there, and he points left or points right. Whichever way he points means death or life. Not a great life, but life. And uh, so I was, I was so moved by that. There was a 80-plus-year-old couple. As I was walking through the town, I was trying to find a place to sit down afterwards. It took me about four hours to, to tour the place. So really, it, it's an, an intense tour. Uh, and this couple, this older couple, saw that I was just so wrought with emotion. And they came over. They sat at my table. I didn't ask them to. And uh, they just did. And, and they patted me and hugged on me and all these things. Uh, and then they took me back to their home. <laughs> Ooh, they sure enough did. I didn't have any idea. But Polish folk make their own liquor. And older Polish folk, they develop a tolerance that younger folk don't have. And so it was, uh, it was really something. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience, one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. And uh, they really helped me through. And I'll say this, and I can rarely say it without tearing up. But as I was getting ready to leave, I said, you know, living in this town, you've come to know so much about that awful, awful place. And uh, they said, we weren't born here. And then they pulled their sleeves up. And they were residents of that camp that survived. And they decided they would move there from their town because they said, we never want to forget this. And then I found out their entire family 
was killed in that camp. So one of these days I'm going to write a book about that and, and we'll get to it. Hello to Craig in, uh, in New York. Thank you for joining us. I know your family sitting there around the table. Hopefully you're having a great meal and you're going to feel better about this. We are due in the Northeast. We are due to get, oh, Wes says hello. We're due to get uh, a huge snowstorm on Tuesday. So uh, we'll be able to identify a little bit with what you go through. So welcome to the users in chat. And it'll be it'll be a, a sort of a different day for us. So you've reached the collision. Of, well, the collision of faith politics is on Wednesday. And not for nothing, but this Wednesday is going to be a show you want to see. You don't really see it because it's radio. Trip you all up on that. Plus, I have a face for radio. So Wednesday, we're going to have um, one of the greatest historians I think to ever live, and his name is William Federer. Bill Federer. He's a friend of the show. Uh, and he will be back on. He'll be talking about his new book. We'll have a lot of release information on the website as we get closer to Wednesday. Wednesday, we're going to start at 3 again. That seemed very popular. I don't know. I didn't even think about starting at 3, but we're going to start at 3. We're going to end at 5. And uh, we also have another guest on we're working with right now that you'll, you'll, you will want to hear. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, strange and scattered, a holy walk in a hostile world. I don't think anybody could argue that that if you're a person of faith, be it uh, now people ask me, well, what are you? You know, you talk all this Hebrew. What are you? Are you Jewish? And I said, no, I'm grafted out of the Jews, but um, I am a follower of the way of Yeshua. So I'm not anti-Christianity. I'm, I'm part of Christianity. But to be more precise, I am a follower of the way, capital W, of Yeshua. So. In that, part of it is to be different. Part of it is to be different. Part of it is to be, and not to try to be different necessarily to do your hair different, do your mode of dress, but you want to be, you want to be, uh, what word do I want to use? Uh, you want to be, you don't want to be wearing, if you go to the beach, you don't want to be wearing the small bathing suit there. Uh, you want to be thoughtful and modest. Um, in your general life, the way you live your life, you want to be uh, modest but fun. So many, so many people turn from Christianity and, and faith, uh, faith in Christ, faith in God, because most often Christians are just flat out boring. They're boring, and they are a lot of times sour, sour pusses, and much of the time they're, I don't want to say exclusive, but they're. <laughs> Almost like they're, they think they're above other people. And that high and mighty pious uh, sort of thing really turns a lot of people off. And, um, but then there are a lot of churches, like I talked about in my book, Excellence Kill the Church, How Mediocrity is the Story of America. Um, there are religious Rottweilers who sit on the porch of the church and bark at people as they go by and wonder why they don't want to come in. And so I'm going to start a new series tonight. Tonight is a new series and um, we're going to work through several books of the Bible. We're going to unpack some things that I think would be that were interesting to me. And so we're going to start. And I'm going to use words, and to the best of my ability, I'll try to remember that they're Hebrew words, not English words. Uh, but you'll learn them really quick, and, and it's super, super easy. Um, we quote most of the time, if you're new to the show, uh, the complete Jewish Bible. And if you're listening anywhere in the world, and you don't have a Bible, and you can't afford to get a Bible, or you... You just don't have access for whatever reason. We'll find a way to get you a Bible. We will find you a way to get, get you a Bible, and we'll do it fast. 
and we'll be proud and pleased to do that. One of the first words is Kepha. Kepha is Peter. Um, and uh, this is from 1 Peter, or 1 Kepha, 1, 1 through 2. Now, just not for nothing, this is not a Trump commercial, but when Trump was running, he said, what was it, Corinthians, I think, 2 Corinthians? You realize in seminary, that's how we say it. You don't say first, you say two, one and two. That's how you say it. It's actually uh, academically correct. We're just so used to doing it our way. So no big deal, but one Kepha, one, one through two from the complete Jewish Bible. From Kepha, an emissary of Yeshua, the Messiah, to God's chosen, let that, let that simmer a little bit, God's chosen people. Lest you throw rocks, well, that's the Palestinian kid's job, not a real people, but um, the, the uh, jihadists on the West Bank, we're not talking about those kind of rocks, but a lot of times we throw rocks at Jews because we say, well, they didn't accept Christ. There's, there's a growing number of people, by the way, not only in Israel, but all around the world. The, the Messianic community is growing in a huge way. But that doesn't mean, because they're not messianic, that we are to shun them. They are God's chosen people. A friend of God is a friend of mine. Anyway, God's chosen people living as aliens in the diaspora. In Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, the province of Asia, and Bithynia. Chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, and set apart by the Spirit, for obeying Yeshua, the Messiah, and for sprinkling with his blood, grace and shalom, be yours in full measure. Now, let me just say this. Yeshua, Yeshua Hamashiach, two words. Yeshua is Jesus, what, what most people know as Jesus. Hamashiach is the Messiah, the Messiah, Ha-Mashiach. So that's what that is. So when we say Yeshua Hamashiach, we're saying uh, Jesus, the Messiah. And a lot of people... A lot of people say to me, well, why don't you just say Jesus? You're in America. Why don't you just say Jesus? So my name is Sean, right? Everybody knows that. My name is Sean. So I walk in the room, and your name is Sean. Spelled differently. But if you came up to me or you pointed to me and said, hey, Steve. Well, first of all, I wouldn't unless I saw you pointing to me and saying, Steve. Now, I have lots of friends that are Steve, and I like them. Hello to our buddy Steve Field. Uh, he's giving a speech tonight, addressing an audience, so we're going to miss his fiddle playing. But uh, we got to hear hear a little bit of mandolin at the uh, at the, the fundraiser last night. But So I'm not Steve. So if you call me by Steve, I'm not going to answer that. Why? Because that's not my name. Now, I might say, uh, yeah, how you doing? Actually, my name is Sean. Well, good to meet you. What's your name? Now, if he says Bob, my name is Bob, and I call him. I don't know, Paul. Well, I thought you said Paul. You know, nothing alike. I call him the wrong name. He calls me the wrong name. Are we going to get on pretty well? No, we're not. Can't get my name right. I can't get your name right. We're just not going to connect. It's just how it is. So that's why I say Yeshua, because Jesus actually is not an accurate depiction of, of what his name was. Same way with Moses, Moshe. If Moses was here, which would be awesome, we can all agree. If Moses was here and someone said, hey, Moses, can you get me a, a leg? And he would tell you there's none left. Chicken leg. 
he would say, my name is Moshe, actually. There's no connection between Moses and Moshe. It's Moshe. That is his name. So just for that, you'll, 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 uh, that'll be a good thing to remember. Strange and scattered, a holy walk, walk in a hostile world. Have you ever, well, maybe, maybe you guys are pretty outgoing people. You're certainly very outgoing. You never met an enemy. Um, any of you don't like to go to large gatherings, especially, let's say, if you're a couple by yourself, right, or you're single and you, you, just, not, you just aren't a mingle person. You're not a make friends person. Not because you're not a nice person, just that's not your personality. But what's even worse, what if you go into a place where they're not really nice to you? They shun you, right? You go in, and it's a totally different. Now, last night we did this. Uh, we were at this benefit for um, Troubadour Ministry takes care of veterans in a beautiful, beautiful way. So they're raising money. You've heard me talk about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. You saw um, uh, what was it? Well, Andrew Vokes played. And then Ray Siemens, we had a show where Ray was on the show. And we interviewed him, and he played music. So that's who's behind that. But the cool thing, the really cool thing here is it was a big place full of people. How many people do you think were there? About 160-some people or more. And it was wonderful. You walked in. Everybody was happy. That's because they were all patriotic, uh, full of faith people who loved God and loved each other. And they all been through some stuff. We've all been down, you know, really hard road. Many of them, very, very hard road. And so the interesting thing to me is, you felt welcomed right away. There were little kids running around. Everybody kind of tried to help keep the little kids from hurting themselves. It was just really a, a sweet thing. But not every place you go is like that. I'm sorry to say, many churches, postmodern Western evangelical churches in the United States, they're really keying in on this that they. They're saying, hey, be friendly, be friendly, be friendly. Greet people three, four, five times. Ask them if they know where they're going. Can you show them where – tell them where the bathrooms are. If you see a piece of trash on the ground, pick it up. Be welcoming. Make your music welcoming and make the the sermon relevant to people's lives that they're living today. Have programs and all these things so that these people come in and they'll want to come back because you're addressing their very real needs. Nothing necessarily wrong with that as long as the gospel's not watered down the scripture's not changed or morphed to make that happen. But some churches, and it doesn't matter what the name of it is, can we can we all agree that you might have been to a Baptist church, wasn't very nice, people weren't nice to you. You might have been to a full gospel church, which I've been to many full gospel churches. You you love preaching in a full gospel church if you're a preacher. And, and look here, if it's a predominantly black full gospel church, A, you're not going to get out of church till three. At, all day long, there's food, there's everything, which, of course, if there's food, I'm down with that. Uh, and it's always good food. But when you preach there, you have feedback. And I don't mean at the end. I mean throughout the thing. Sometimes you have to kind of rewrite your sermon in your head because they'll be shouting and people will jump up. And I love it. That's just, that's cool. That's fun for me. That's a welcoming place. But, man, how many times have you been to a church? It wasn't a welcoming place. It's hostile. Often, my point here is, is often we think that the hostile part of this is outside of the church community, the believers community, outside of the followers of the way. We we think that that's always the, the group that's going to be hostile to us. Not always the case. A lot of times we measure our own faith by our piety. Remember, our haircuts, our clothes, do we say the right words, do we pray in the right way? 
so it's it's just one of those things that is important for us to remember. This hostile doesn't have to be somewhere out there. It can be it can be in the church, and it's unfortunate that it's that way. But have you ever gone somewhere? Doesn't matter where it is, and you felt an element of hostility toward you. Why? Because you're a person of faith. How about the workplace? Lots of, lots of the folks here have jobs. There's some that are retired. You go to the workplace. Sometimes people, yeah, you can identify with that, right? Sometimes people, yeah, sometimes people are just out and out hostile to you, a person of faith, and they're hostile. The only reason they're hostile is because you're a person of faith. Now, if you're a jerk person of your of faith, right, then they have a right to be hostile to you. You're a jerk, so don't be a jerk. Yeah, don't get them started. So so that's the deal, right? You know, you, you want to be a welcoming person, you want to be a positive person. And so then if they're hostile, if you're if you're if you are emulating Yeshua, if you're emulating the principles and precepts of God, then you're not gonna be hostile. People who uh oppose what you believe in the and the faith that you have and that you are trying to live. I say trying to live because let's face it, isn't it a challenge? So some hey look. I lose my testimony sometimes, right? Uh, sometimes just that happens. You you get fired up, something happens. It doesn't matter what it is, but sometimes now if it's the littlest thing in the world and you get fired up and you lose it over that, well, you need some you need some deep breathing exercises and a little more prayer. We'll pray for you. Pray for me while you're at it. Can't fly off the handle is what I'm saying over every little thing. But if you're a decent person, you go into workplace, you go into a store, uh, wherever, and they know you're a Christian. Maybe you have. I never experienced this uh, up until I got this um, this cross. Now I don't I don't wear crosses anymore, but uh, I had this cross that was made of nails, and I thought it was the most fascinating thing. And it had a leather strap, and it was really really uh, compelling. And it did remind me because it would poke me. Off. The nails were sharp; they were real nails. It would poke me on occasion, and oh, you know that would remind me, hey man. That means something. That doesn't mean that's not just jewelry. So my point in this is, one time I was wearing it and I had it outside of my shirt. I had a T-shirt on and I wore it into a place. And I'd never been in this place before. It was a little store. I walk in and they're like, "What's that thing around your neck?" Literally, that's what they said. I didn't know these people from Adam. What's that thing around your neck? I'm like, oh, this my cross? Yeah. Why are you wearing that in here? I don't just wear it in here. I wear it everywhere. It, it goes with me. It's around my neck, so it has to go with me everywhere I go. And I said, I'm a believer. And they said, well, I don't like it. Turns out they were atheists. They were they were very, very pagan. And uh, yeah, that's okay. That was nice to them. I said, oh, well, certainly I don't mean to offend you. Cross is offensive to a lot of people. And I can understand why, based on your beliefs, you would be offended by that. God said we would be offended. And people would be offended by him. They would hate us. Uh, so you're one of the haters, and I'm one of the hated. And that's okay by me. I'll wear that. So so I, I guess the thing I want you to be thinking about as I go through this is if you've never experienced any hostility toward you because of your faith, you might need to check yourself a little bit. You might need to check yourself a little bit. Maybe you're a little quieter about your faith than, than maybe you need to be. Maybe. Maybe so, maybe not. And the thing is, is people say, well, I want to draw people in. I want to be the type of person to draw people in. I don't want to put people off. And that's how we get them to Christ. And that's absolutely true. But when it comes to the the, uh, the points where they're non-negotiable, we can't we can't bend on that. The postmodern Western evangelical church, which I talk a lot about in my book, they do a lot of bending. 
And that's a real problem. It's a real problem for us. So this little book of, of 1 Kepha or 1 Peter is a letter of hope and holiness. And, and Kepha, he, what he does is he instructs the reader on how to have a holy walk in a hostile world. And he encourages those that are suffering for Hamashiach or Christ to stay on course and forge ahead. Now he doesn't say, buck up, you're doing fine. Get after it. Don't quit, you loser. He doesn't say that. He goes about it in a really neat way. And I'm always fascinated. Everybody says, you know, oh, you know, you want to be, who, if you could be any uh, disciple, who would it be? If you could be any apostle, who, could, who would you be? Well, I would want to be Peter. Because Peter's all the time wanting to call down fire. He's always wanting to go to the weapons, cut somebody's ear off. He's all the time wanting to slay somebody, you know. Well, that's kind of not me, but if I'm going to be, if I'm going to pick one, that's, I like it. I, a, a brother can dream, you know. And, and look, I like Paul too. Shaul is his real name. Not remotely close to Paul, but I guess they were just picking, you know, and the Bible was written. Well, what are we going to call this fella? Well, they say his name is Shaul. That's hard to say. Let's call him Paul. You know, I don't know. So anyway, actually, there's more to it than that. But in the first two verses, Kepha gets right to the heart of the matter. He explains that God's people are just pilgrims passing through this world. Just passing through. And I just want to ask you again, I want this to be solidly in the back of your mind. Have you ever felt like a stranger in this world, that you don't fully belong here? Have you ever? Oh, you had that conversation? Yeah, yeah. what time of day is it? You had that conversation today? Tell, tell me more about that. Oh, okay, got you, got you. That's a gospel message right there. Did you know that? That's a gospel message. Thank you for planting the seed. That's bold and it's sweet. I love that. I love that. Keep dripping. Keep dripping. We love that, brother. So um, I guess, well, I've been in some rough places in my life, career-wise or whatever. I just ended up in some rough places. Well, you can feel the hostility right away. You know when you go in some places, folks are hostile. So I want you to think, have you ever felt like you didn't belong in that room, in that place? I was just talking to somebody the other day. They were talking about the state where they live. They said, you know, I've never felt welcome here. I've never felt, and it was Delaware, unfortunately. I've never felt welcome. I've never felt like I belonged. I just don't feel like this is where I need to be. Well, and then I, oddly enough, I had a conversation with another friend of mine who, this was months ago, but it reminded me of it who lived in Tennessee. Now, I lived in Tennessee. I thought, you know, the part of Tennessee I lived in, the part that he lived in was vastly different. He was kind of in the mountains of Tennessee, and folks just weren't nice to him. Now, he has a Boston accent. Hello, Dave and Karen, if you're listening, we love you. But folks weren't nice to them. They're hardworking folks, just doing good for people, but he, uh, they both have a strong Boston accent, you know, Massachusetts, and now they're in Florida, and they love it. Why didn't we move here sooner? Because people are so nice. If Diane and John are listening, we love you. We miss you. We think about you every week. They're in heaven down there in Tennessee. They're in a different part of Tennessee. We've been to their home. Wonderful. Boy, do they fit in. Man, we're finally where we belong. I want you to think about that. Think about have you ever felt like you didn't belong for whatever reason. It's an important emotion to connect with this here. And and I don't know why, but it seems this week I've been told more than ever uh, before, definitely more than ever before, by people looking to find their way, maybe they got lost or a little bit off the path to belonging. They just don't feel like they belong. 
Now, I'm going to hit you with something. Who in here is one of several children in your family? More, more than one. So this whole, this whole room. And so I'm the youngest of five. She's the youngest of nine, if you can believe that. Um, any, any in here families that large? Well, I'll tell you, I have felt many times I didn't belong. Even in my own family, didn't fit. Didn't mean there's anything wrong with my family. It just meant sometimes you just don't feel like you fit in. Put, yeah, yeah, a lot of times families. Listen, families are, we, look, one of the toughest places you'll ever be for some families is in a family. Now, I have dear friends live down in Marietta, Georgia, and if I could ever be adopted, not that I ever want to, but even as a 51-year-old man, I'm, if they're up for adopting me, I'll take it. I love each and every one of them. They know who they are, the Brock family. I just adore them, and I miss them so much. I miss them so much. They've been such a huge part of my life. And I love every one of the kids and every one of their children. And I love Larry and Dee. I just, you ever be with people that you walk in that door and you feel welcome right away? Come on and see us every time, every time. Come on and see us when you're coming. And you know when you're there, you're just welcome. I want you to think about well, let me just ask you, just as a, a point of, of connection and tether here, have any of you ever been in a situation like that where, boy, you felt welcome, warmly welcome? Not just initially, but the whole time, you're welcome, feel welcome. you got some shaking heads and some not so shaking heads. I'm so privileged that I've been given that opportunity. People used to say when they would come to my, my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, uh, for meals, because you didn't go to her house and not eat. Now you see where I got it. Uh, they always said, man, I felt so at home there. Such a gracious host, you know. Just felt like you belonged. So I want you to think about those things. As it relates to our faith and living out our faith, not feeling like you quite belong here isn't a bad thing. Seems contradictory, doesn't it? It seems backwards of all of what I've just been saying, but as applied to our faith and living out our faith and striving for holiness. People hate to say holiness anymore because they say, well, who do you think you are? You're not holy. Well, I'm set apart and sanctified by God, and that's the, my imputed righteousness. The only way I get any of that, because if it was on my own, I'm in trouble. I'm in deep trouble. I can't, I'm, I'm hopeless. I am helpless. If it weren't for the blood of the cross and the empty grave, my goodness, I'd be in trouble. I'd be in trouble. So not necessarily a bad thing. Kepha, an apostle of Yeshua Hamashiach, to the strangers. He said this to people who, in this in this context, they were strangers. And you know, they might have been having a conversation about, man, we just, yeah, we want to live for Yeshua. We want to tell the story of the empty grave. We want to tell the story of the miracles he did when he was here. But man, we feel like we don't belong. Folks aren't nice to us. They're trying to kill us and whatnot. That's your first sign, by the way, that they don't like you. Actually, you should know before that, because if that's your first sign, you're in deep trouble. So notice uh, that we are called strangers. Kepha or Peter calls us strangers. We're strangers. And in, in the context of the language and the culture, the word stranger speaks of one who is a pilgrim, a sojourner, or a foreigner. A pilgrim, a sojourner, or a foreigner. Now, a pilgrim is going from some place to another place, right? Uh, the pilgrimage. Well, that means you're going somewhere 
and you're going to experience something, you're going specifically for that or thing or a series of things related, and then you're going to come back. Or you're going to go somewhere else, but you're going for a purpose. A sojourner is more of, it connotes more of, you're just kind of going, kind of popping from place to place, seeing what happens in your life, seeing what you experience. Now, back in the day, that was called hippie. Who remembers that, hippies? Right? Hippies just want to experience some stuff. Now, they try to use a few things to help them go places without leaving where they were. But, hey, you know, you know, hey, that's a long time ago. Or foreigner. Now, foreigner has a different connotation, doesn't it? Foreigner has a little bit of a negative connotation. A little bit of, hey, you don't belong here. We want to check you out first. We want to vet you. See, back in the day, folks used to vet foreigners that would come into the community, the Hebrew community. You didn't come into a community without everybody knowing real fast. Hey, there's somebody that we don't know. Let's find out about this person. And in the in the Jewish community, they would come up and they would they would talk to you. They would engage you, actively engage you. And who would it be? It would always be the men. It would always be the men. The men would check everything out. Let's make sure our folks are safe. Let's make sure this person is here to do us harm. Then once they do, what do they do? They welcome them. Come, come eat. Let's wash your feet. Let's, you know, give you a, a cool wet towel. Or uh, I don't think they I don't they weren't great with the Pepsi's back then because they didn't have the machines with the Pepsi machine. But but maybe they gave them a drink of water, maybe wine, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. And they fed them and they welcomed them. Tell us about yourself. Tell us where you're from. But you checked first because they were a foreigner. So just so we're clear on that. Now, this is a, a very descriptive term of what every believer is. We're all foreigners in this world. You know, there's three words, pilgrim, sojourner, and foreigner. We're all foreigners here. Now, I, I just want to stipulate for the record, I like the band Foreigner. I do. I like them. They're awesome. The kids, anybody younger than 30 probably like, I don't know what that guy's talking about, Foreigner. I never heard of that band, but it was a great band when I was a kid. Look it up. So we're foreigners here. The world, the reason we're foreigners is because the world's not our home. This is not what we're destined for. We're strangers here. We, we are from the outside. And the sooner we take that in to our spirit, to, to who we are, the sooner we realize it's okay for them to look at us and go, you know, y'all are weird. Y'all, I mean, I like the food part of what you're doing, but all this Bible talk is, yeah, it's weird. You know, what do you mean you can't do this or that? That's a normal thing to do. So your friends, air quotes, friends for radio, they say, what are you doing? What are you, do- what are you doing? That's just weird you can't do this, right? Because they have a whole set of different rules that they do or don't live by. They don't live by your rules at all. There's a songwriter that wrote this, and I, and I really like this. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't be at home in this world anymore. Man, I love that. Isn't that something? I don't know who it was wrote it. And if you're listening and you wrote it, you know, jump on chat and tell me, I'll give you attribution. But I don't know who wrote it. It just popped into my head. As God's people, we're in the world. You've heard this a million times, right? If you've been in church 10 minutes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, in and of. We're here, but this is not our home. This is not our place. Yeshua said, I have chosen you out of the world. That's in Yochanan or John 15, 19. Let me read it for you just for fun. Well, let me go back to 18 just for fun. To give you context to how this statement came about. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. Right? Yeshua knew. He knew from the beginning 
He didn't get so tripped up, by the way. A lot of people, and I don't know if you've ever been like this. And I'm a blick figure, and I travel around and, and talk and do stuff. And sometimes folks really love me. You know, get standing ovations, which I like. Unless they're standing up to get a better aim, which, you know, I'm prepared for that too. But the point of the matter is sometimes they love you. And, boy, sometimes they don't love you. Sometimes they don't love you. Sometimes they really don't love you. Right? One minute, you're on top of the world. A great example, a uh, contemporary example, would be Milo Yiannopoulos. Everybody calls him Milo, but he's Greek, so it's Milo. Uh, so Milo, Milo, whatever. He's a gay, conservative Catholic. And he's a brilliant human being. I'm still trying to get him to come on the show, but his publicist is saying no. But I'm going to work on that because they're trying to kind of rebuild rebuild his brand because, I mean, the whole world came crashing down on him. The point of this is, the, the, specifically the conservatives, none of the, the, uh, none of the uh, liberal folks or air quotes progressive folks loved him very much ever. People on the conservative side really loved him until he said something they didn't like. One little thing that was taken wildly out of context, and now they hate the guy. Hate the guy. He had death threats before from the left and riots because they hated everything he said. But on the right now, he, he's, he's in the crosshairs, and it's unfortunate. But the fact of the matter is that emotion I want you to key on is I don't ever get tripped out. I like, I like to hear – I like to read the surveys after I speak somewhere. I like for them to uh, – yeah, let's get her a blanket. That would be good. My sister-in-law, Lynette, made that for me. Um, it is pretty, isn't it? She knows me all too well, red, white, and blue. I think that's red, white, and blue. Uh, so – but the thing is, is, is when I when I give a speech and they're standing ovations and all this stuff and people are fired up and I don't let it get to my head too much because I know I have more of my speech and I might get to that part that they, mm, I, you had me until you said this, you had me. Oh, I was loving you if you'd have just stopped there. I was loving you, but mm, I cannot. Mm, no, no. So I don't get too fired up over. They love me. They love me. I'm finally somebody loves me, you know. I don't, because it could turn on a dime, as they say. Well, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. Yes, well, when he came here, he knew from when he was doing the miracles and healing people and spitting in the mud and putting that on the people's, oh, I can see, you know, healing the issue. Somebody was talking about the issue of woman with the issue of blood. Oh, we love you, love you, love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So great. Uh, you know, people that are lame, hadn't walked a day in their life. When he feeds people. When And folks like to get fed, especially if they're hungry. Well, how about if you're a dead guy? You're dead and you're starting to – and he brings you back to life. Yet he still cried before. Isn't that interesting? I do a whole sermon series on that mind-blowing fact that he knew he was going to raise him from dead. And it begs the question, what was he crying of? I, in my sermon – this is free of charge, no cost or obligation to you – I explore the fact that it was several reasons. It wasn't just one reason. He was crying. He shed a tear because of their lack of faith. They knew who he was. They were with him. They saw him heal people. They saw him do amazing things. You know, don't you believe? But he was also crying because he knew, look, if this tests your faith, there are going to be far worse things come along. Then the other psychological thing that Yeshua took in was his dear friend, Lazarus, had experienced death. And he knew that he would experience death, he would come back to life, 
and then he would experience death in the natural again. He would have to die twice. I think that impacted Yeshua. I think that it impacted, because that's his dear friend. He's going to experience that, and these people are going to grieve again, because nobody knows how it works better than Yeshua. So verse 19, that's the verse you paid for. If you belong to the world, the world would have loved its own. But because you do not belong to the world, on the contrary, I have picked you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Now, let me give you an example. I, don't, I wasn't always a pastor, you know, cuss like a sailor. I was a sailor. Um, I've been a police officer. I've done some rough things in my lifetime. And I've, I've worked with some rough people, some of the best people ever, but rough people. But I haven't always, I haven't always done and been the best, what I should be. And you know what? You fit in a lot easier when you're in that mode. Then when you're in the, look, i got to watch my testimony. i got to please God. I've got to seek holiness. I've got to do this thing and that thing. And I still mess up on the regular. My point here is this. The world likes you a lot better when they say, hey, you want to go partying with us? That's always been a word that's cracked me up, partying. It connotes so many things to so many different people. But, hey, you want to go party with us? Yeah. Well, what if you say, you know, previous 10 Friday nights, you went partying with them. And then this Friday night, see, what they didn't know is Sunday, you walked into a church and somebody preached the word. And the word fell on your ears and in your heart. And God made a change in you, and you said, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. We're going to work on you day by day, bit by bit. But one thing we're not going to do is go party anymore. We're not going to do that. We're going to find a different way to find joy, a better way. And then next Friday, all your friends thought you were the best thing since sliced bread. You're the wingman or wing girl, I don't know. I'm not saying wings are bad. Buffalo wings, chicken wings, I love them. I'm saying the person, you're your, your wing person, you're there, you party with them. Now all of a sudden, you know what? No, I can't go. I can't I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do it? I know you're free this Friday night. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to stay home and read my Bible. Read me, read me, you, you, what? You going to read your what? My Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. You go on. You go on, but I, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. Pray? I've heard, I've seen you. I've held your hair while you prayed at the the to the to the uh, porcelain gods. I hey, well that's the prayer I know. What you talking about, pray? Yeah, yeah. Where was he missing? No, I mean he came into my heart. Really, you had open heart surgery on Sunday. Now you can't go out with us. No, I just got, I just want to live my life different. Oh, what are you saying? You're too good for us. See how fast it can turn. Can it? Right. I've lived it. How fast it can turn. When you're trying to get off of alcohol, all your buddies you used to go drinking with. All of a sudden you say, hey, man, is it off the wagon or on the wagon? I'm on the wagon if I'm not drinking or I'm off the wagon. I'm off the wagon. I don't know what that means. I don't have any understanding of it. but I'm a... Right. So so here's the deal. So here's the deal. Those same friends, they want you with them when you're doing the things that they want to do and those things that you want to do. But as soon as you change that tune, they turn on you. Right? You come under conviction. Well, they come under conviction. Why don't they want you around them? Because you show them the wrong what they're doing. They're going to say, what do you think, you're better than us? Well, what they really mean is, uh-oh, somebody's going to hold a mirror up to us. Somebody's going to hold us to a, a, a different or higher standard. That's a modern thing. But back then, there's nobody running around in the United States yet 
uh, I wouldn't say there's nobody. There, there are lots of people running around for their faith. It's hard for people to believe. I gave two speeches this week talking about that. Um, we've got to accept the fact that that's a fact. There are there there is a group of people that want to kill you because you are a Christian or you are a Jew, specifically American or Hebrew. But Yeshua says something amazing here. If you belong to the world, the world would have loved its own. It would have loved its own. It would have been fine. You'd been fine. Hey, if you want the easy way, keep doing this. It'll be easy for a while. It'll be easy for a little bit. Not forever. Not for eternity. It's going to change. Because you do not belong to the world. On the contrary, I've picked you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Man, note the words out of. Two little words. Three letters and two letters, five letters all total, out of. When we, when we became Christ, we ceased to be of this world. At that moment, we ceased to be of this world. When we said, Father, I, I commend my soul, my heart, my mind, my life to you. I turn my life over to you. Not just one day, not just today, but every day. At that moment, you cease to be of this world. And Christ has done his part. He has. He's, he's done his part. And now we're commanded, according to 1 John or Yochanan, uh, 1 Yochanan 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Well, that's tough, especially all of a sudden, right? You've lived a certain way. I'll, I'll give you an example. Not for nothing. This is it, It's a lot harder than you might think. For me, it might be a piece of cake for you. But look, if you're trying to live um, the dietary laws, we, have, we can talk about that uh, sometime. I'll do a whole big thing on it. And, and the different things that, that we as, as people of the way are to do, it's tough. Because, you know, we're not supposed to eat crabs and clams and oysters. I don't know if you all know, but I'm from Lewis, Delaware, where we eat crabs and clams and oysters. I could pick a crab at three, four years old. Clean. Clean. I could pick it clean. I could eat oysters. Listen, at 10 years old, I was diving down off my buddy's boat, totally couldn't see anything, putting my hands in the mud, shaking, finding the clams, shaking them on the way up, swimming to the surface. And as I'm catching my breath, I'm taking my knife and cutting open that oyster, eating it right down. Fresh, right out the water, y'all. Don't get any better. Right? So that's my lifestyle. But let's let's call it what it is. How about, how about, uh, how about um, bacon and and ham, right? How good does bacon smell? Bacon smells good. Bacon, lettuce, and cheese. I'm not trying to make it harder for you or me, but a bacon, lettuce, and cheese. Oh, Bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich on toast. I like mine toasted. Oof. Yeah, bacon by yourself, right? And you all know the big fat lie. Uh, you're making bacon for your family or you have a friend or whatever. You're making bacon and... You're like, I'm in here making bacon. You know, I'll have them ready for a minute. Then they come in there, three slices of bacon. The bacon package is empty. And you got you got bacon grease. You've been in there an hour. you got bacon grease all up on your face. Hands smelling like bacon for a week, right? It's like perfume to me. But so you lie. You give them three pieces of bacon. Say, well, it's all cooked up. Good luck. Enjoy. Great to have you. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. So bacon is tough. My mom, this this past week, uh, she doesn't have the Internet or, or – any means to access this but i have to say happy birthday mom 87 years old and we love having you my mom's awesome she's a firecracker 
but she was talking. She brought up ham steaks. She fed her sister, my aunt Jean, who I love, and they they had ham steaks. I could smell it. I'm telling you right now, I could smell it. He said we have ham steaks, and I made a pineapple thing, and I could smell that, and then had this, that, and the other thing. I was like, oh man, you're killing me. You know, you're killing me. Now I need bacon rehab, yeah. And you know what? I'm not supposed to be eating processed food or cured meats or any of that stuff. My health. I'm not supposed to do that. But I was smelling it. Now it's hard, huh? Oh, down there. That made it worse. I wasn't smelling it for real, but in my head, that's as real as it gets. They had it the day before, you know. And so, it's hard to quit. But how about? Hey, look. How about if you were a smoker or a drinker, or you had a habit that was unhealthy, and you're trying to quit? tough. It's a tough thing. In the first two verses, Kepha gets right to the heart of the matter. I, I love how he does it. That's one of the things I like about him. He gets to the point. Some would argue maybe I'm not to the point as quick as I could be, and sometimes I'm too to the point. Foreigners. Foreigners. If the world hates you, this is why. Because you've been plucked out of. The moment you placed your faith in him, it ceased to be of this world. Let me read you what one John, or Yochanan, which is John's real name, uh, 2, 15 through 17. Do not love the world or things of the world. If someone loves the world, then the love for the Father is not in him. That's harsh. All things of the world, the desires of the old nature, the desires of the eyes, and the pretensions of life are not from the Father, but from the world. Now, before I go to 17, let me touch on that word, the pretensions. Uh there's a singer. My daughter was in town, and she's she's back at school. She was in town, and and what I love is she's always she knows the music. She always has the music on her phone, and it's man. I don't know how she fits all that music. Oh, I do know how she does it. I'm not going to dime her out. I do know she did show me a trick, not for nothing, but it's pretty cool. Uh, but she likes Broadway plays and musical things like that. And there's this one, I don't know the whole name to it, but the fellow that sings, he was one of the uh, actors, characters in this show, Pitch Perfect. You all know I love to sing. Pitch Perfect came out. Oh, man, I love that. Well, he was one of the ones that was kind of a background actor in it. You know, he's always trying to get his chance, but he was sort of a geek. He didn't really fit in, you know, type of deal. <laughs> this kid, it turns out, can sing for real. He can for real sing. And I told my daughter, I said, Lily, you know, what I like about his voice is it's unpretentious. He's not putting on. He's not overproducing it. It's just his natural voice is amazing. It's just unpretentious. <laughs> I thought about this sermon. I said, I'm going to use that word, pretensions. Don't be pretentious. The pretensions of life. Remember when I first started, I talked about haircuts, which I need to get my haircut real bad. Don't even look at me. It's pitiful. Uh, but the, the haircuts, the certain look, right? You, and you know different denominations have different dress codes, don't they? Don't they? And then you've got your Baptist, your Southern Baptist, your Independent Baptist, your uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist, your Bible Baptist. You know, you got your you got your different Methodists. you got your different Presbyterians. Well, which Presbyterian are you? You know, we always got to ask all those questions because it's very different. Even though it's the same first name, you know, it could be different. But they all have their dress codes. They all have their thing. Uh, holiness church. Who in here has ever been to a holiness church? Right? There's some serious, serious rules up in there. 
and you had better know that, or you will be shunned. Some folks will come. That's right. Call it. Sister done called it already. Better have that hair pulled up, and you better have it pulled in the bun. And it would be best if you put a doily on it and put one of them little things on and because your head is supposed to be covered. And that's you walk in there with your hair down, then it's going to be trouble. It's going to be trouble. It won't look like trouble at first. But see, that's the thing. How much time I got? Oh, man. So that's that's what I'm telling you. There are pretensions. There are a lot of pretensions in our faith. But there are pretensions in life as well, y'all. There are pretensions in life where we pretend to be a thing that we're not. And life pretends to be often what it's not. Now, that's the truth. Seems like it's going to be one way because it really looked like it was going to be that way, and then all of a sudden the trouble comes. And then it's no longer that way. It pretended. It was pretentious. And now it's hard. So I like that. I like that. The desires of the eyes and the pretensions of life are not from the Father but from the world. And the world, this is verse 17 if you're looking, and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does God's will will remain forever. In other words, look, that, that all looks good to them now. Let them live how they're going to live. But guess what? That is going to come to a crashing end. And when it does, there's no do-over. Oh, but if you're a follower of the way, if you believe in me, if you follow me, you're going to have all of eternity with me. And all that fun they thought they were having, the pretensions of life in the natural, they'll all go away. We will have the Father forever, all eternity. But I want you to understand something. There's something very important. The last sentence of verse 17. But whoever does, does God's will remains forever. Now, whoever gets the haircut, whoever puts the doily on that, whoever wears the right length dress, which there's no right length dress for me. I don't look good. My legs don't look good in the dress. But there's... The right pants, the right belt, the right shirt. Do you wear a tie, not a tie? Uh, short coat, long coat, short coat. You know, uh, you know all these different things. Right shoes. You know, do I have a beard? Do I not have a beard? Do I listen to contemporary music that's not Christian? Do I listen to contemporary Christian music? You go to like a holy, you go to holiness church. You listen to contemporary Christian music. You are sinning. It goes on and on and on. We are told. To come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Now, I'm going to go back to that last sentence, verse 17. But whoever does, whoever does God's will remains forever. This is not a passive thing. I know lots of preachers will teach that it's a passive thing, but it's not a passive thing. It's a doer. It's an action. It's an everyday thing. Sometimes you fail. Uh, Bob Carlisle, we fall down. And we get up. We fall down and we get up. Saints are just sinners who fall down and get up. We've got to keep getting up as people of faith because we are humans. We will be made perfect in his sight. That means when we're there, he sees us, we see him in eternity in heaven. He makes us perfect. Until then, we have the imputed righteousness. We're to set ourselves apart set aside for his service, sanctified. But you got to do God's will. Remains forever. 
You've got to do God's will. Told to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. That's 2 Corinthians 6.17. By way of the new birth, we are creatures of another world. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Have you ever, you remember back when you were little and Christmas, you know, was around the corner? And by around the corner, I mean it was October. And you knew Christmas was, but it seemed forever. Right? November, December. It's only two months, right? 60 days or less. But man, when you're a little kid, you cannot wait for Christmas. You are so eager for Christmas. I don't know what your favorite holiday was. Mine wasn't Christmas. Mine was actually Thanksgiving. I loved Thanksgiving. My whole family came, my brothers, their wives, their kids. Well, oh, everybody came. People, mom would invite people. She'd see somebody didn't look like they had enough to eat. She'd, they'd be enough in her house. It'd be wonderful. And, and all of us would go out. Back then, it was a field all around us. We would shoot guns and, uh, you know, just fun. It was it was fun. It was so fun. And we had all that great food. It was just awesome. It was just fun. I loved it. It was my favorite. But you know, the minute Christmas is over, the minute Thanksgiving is over, isn't that the big letdown? If we're being honest, if we're little and also... Like, I know your your child lives far away. I know what that's like. One of my children lives far away. My goodness. Waiting for the time. The second my daughter went back to college, I was counting the minutes when she coming back again. Right? We spent Saturday Saturday night. We went, put the feed bag on at this buffet salad place. Loved it. And we loved it. And we had such fun stuff in ourselves. And then she had errands to do. So I don't ever go to the mall unless I'm going to one particular store that sells these things. And, um, but she had a bunch of different places she had to go in there. She's like, Dad, you don't want to go with me. I said, yeah, I do. I don't know anything about that stuff you're doing, but I do want to go with you. I want to go and hang out with you. I don't care what we're doing. And we had fun. And literally the second I dropped her off, that's right, you called it. second I dropped her off, well, I sat outside. I didn't go in. But uh, so, so then the second I dropped her off, boom, heart was empty again, wasn't it? Yearning for that man when she's coming back again. Right? You've had that yearning, haven't you? For something or someone or a feeling. I remember I, I I got several different jobs after I was in the service and, and I was trying to replicate what I experienced in the service. The brotherhood, the fraternity. It's hard to beat. It's just so hard to beat. You yearn for that thing, that then it's something to come, that anticipation. This something to come, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Remember, these people, these people experienced being outcast. They experienced having no home, no homeland, lived in tents. They had to run. They had to hide. They had to, you know, it was tough. It was tough. Next week, uh, well, let me read this one now just for fun. This is free, too. It doesn't cost you anything extra. Hebrews thirteen fourteen, complete Jewish Bible. For we have no permanent city here. On the contrary, we seek the one to come. We seek the one to come. Boy, we heard that before. We seek the one to come. Sometimes it's worth waiting. Sometimes it's a powerful thing to wait if it's something real good. Real, real good. God's people are scattered. We're scattered. We're part of it. First uh, Peter one one. Kepha, an apostle of Yeshua Hamashiach. To the strangers scattered. Listen, we're all strangers. 
We're all strangers in this land. And I'll tell you what, if we're all strangers together, if we learn to live in community with each other as believers, I just was reading an article real quick, and I'll close with this. I was reading an article, local paper, and there's, how many churches did I say it was, uh, that are building multi-million dollar, uh, they have multi-million dollar campaigns. And I talk about this in my book. Uh, one church is spending $3.8 million on a church here in this town. Another church is spending $3.2 million, and another one is spending $2.4 or $5 million. This is what they're building. Is Now, you know, churches are awesome. But this one over here is going to spend $3 million, almost 4 This one over here is going to spend almost $3 million. This one over here is going to spend almost $3 million. And they're going to say, you know, come on to our church. Come on to our church. Love to have you. Come on. And we have all this stuff. We have these things. And all going to be paying that light bill. And all going to be paying that taxes for the land. And all going to be paying for all the, the accoutrement. What if? What if instead of doing that, we found a way to agree in community as people of faith and instead of building monuments to our ability to fundraise, what if we looked at our community and said, what does the community need? How can we gather together and do what this community needs to bring people to Christ, to bring people to this group of strangers? What if we could find a way to be in community to make that happen, to work together? Instead of this team, this team, and this team, how about we be the team? We'll all be the team. we all be the strangers. we all be the outcasts, the people. And then we work together to bring people to a saving knowledge of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. How would that be? I'm going to talk more about this next week, and it'll be fun to do so. All around the world, it is so cool to have you listening. It's so cool to have all of you here listening. We thank you for, for coming. And next week when you join us, we're going to talk more about this, but we're going to dig a lot deeper. And I'll look forward to having you with you. And if you think of it, dear friends, if you were emailed a link or Twitter or whatever, by the way, I'm on Twitter at the Ninja Pastor and Facebook, facebook.com backslash smgreener. Follow us, uh, or uh, the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show. This Wednesday, be listening at 3. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow the show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you.